Chapter Three, Part Two of A Wonder Book for Girls and Boys by Nathaniel Hawthorne. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Clive Catterall from clivecatterall.com. The Paradise of Children, Part Two. But now it is time for us to see what Epimetheus was doing. This was the first time since his little playmate had come to dwell with him that he had attempted to enjoy any pleasure in which she did not partake. But nothing went right, nor was he nearly so happy as on other days. He could not find a sweet grape or a ripe fig. If Epimetheus had a fault, it was a little too much fondness for figs. Or, if ripe at all, they were overripe, and so sweet as to be cloying. There was no mirth in his heart, such as usually made his voice gush out of its own accord and swell the merriment of his companions. In short, he grew so uneasy and discontented that the other children could not imagine what was the matter with Epimetheus. Neither did he himself know what ailed him any better than they did. For you must recollect that at the time we are speaking of it was everybody's nature and constant habit to be happy. The world had not yet learned to be otherwise. Not a single soul or body since these children were first sent to enjoy themselves on the beautiful earth had ever been sick or out of sorts. At length, discovering that somehow or other he put a stop to all the play, Epimetheus judged it best to go back to Pandora, who was in a humour better suited to his own. But with a hope of giving her pleasure he gathered some flowers and made them into a wreath which he meant to put upon her head. The flowers were very lovely, roses and lilies and orange blossoms, and a great many more, which left a trail of fragrance behind as Epimetheus carried them along and the wreath was put together with as much skill as could reasonably expected of a boy. The fingers of little girls, it has always appeared to me, are the fittest to twine flower-wreaths, but boys could do it in those days, rather better than they can now. And here I must mention that a great black cloud had been gathering in the sky for some time past, although it had not yet overspread the sun. But just as Epimetheus reached the cottage door, this cloud began to intercept the sunshine, and thus to make a sudden and sad obscurity. He entered softly, for he meant, if possible, to steal behind Pandora and fling the wreath of flowers over her head before she should be aware of his approach. But as it happened, there was no need of his treading so very lightly. He might have trod as heavily as he pleased, as heavily as a grown man, as heavily, I was going to say, as an elephant, without much probability of Pandora's hearing his footsteps. She was too intent upon her purpose. At the moment of his entering the cottage the naughty child had put her hand to the lid, and was on the point of opening the mysterious box. Epimetheus beheld her. If he had cried out, Pandora would probably have withdrawn her hand, and the fatal mystery of the box might never have been known. But Epimetheus himself, although he said very little about it, had his own share of curiosity to know what was inside. Perceiving that Pandora was resolved to find out the secret, he determined that his playfellow should not be the only wise person in the cottage. And if there were anything pretty or valuable in the box, he meant to take half of it to himself. Thus, after all his sage speeches to Pandora about restraining her curiosity, Epimetheus turned out to be quite as foolish and nearly as much in fault as she. So whenever we blame Pandora for what happened, we must not forget to shake our heads at Epimetheus likewise. As Pandora raised the lid, the cottage grew very dark and dismal, for the black cloud had now swept quite over the sun, and seemed to have buried it alive. 
there had for a little while past been a low growling and muttering which all at once broke into a heavy peal of thunder but pandora heeding nothing of all this lifted the lid nearly upright and looked inside it seemed as if a sudden swarm of winged creatures brushed past her taking flight out of the box while at the same instant she heard the voice of epimetheus with a lamentable tone as if he were in pain oh i am stung cried he i am stung naughty pandora why have you opened this wicked box pandora let fall the lid and starting up looked about her to see what had befallen epimetheus the thunder-cloud had so darkened the room that she could not very clearly discern what was in it but she heard a disagreeable buzzing as if a great many huge flies or gigantic mosquitoes or those insects which we call door-bugs and pinching-dogs were darting about and as her eyes grew more accustomed to the imperfect light she saw a crowd of ugly little shapes with bats wings looking abominably spiteful and armed with terribly long stings in their tails it was one of these that had stung epimetheus nor was it a great while before pandora herself began to scream in no less pain and affright than her playfellow and making a vast deal more hubbub about it an odious little monster had settled on her forehead and would have stung her i know not how deeply if epimetheus had not run and brushed it away now if you wish to know what these ugly things might be which had made their escape out of the box i must tell you that they were the whole family of earthly troubles there were evil passions there were a great many species of cares there were more than a hundred and fifty sorrows there were diseases in a vast number of miserable and painful shapes there were more kinds of naughtiness than it would be of my use to talk about in short everything that has since afflicted the souls and bodies of mankind had been shut up in the mysterious box and given to epimetheus and pandora to be kept safely in order that the happy children of the world might never be molested by them had they been faithful to their trust all would have gone well no grown person would ever have been sad nor any child have had cause to shed a single tear from that hour until this moment but and you may see by this how a wrong act of any one mortal is a calamity to the whole world by pandora's lifting the lid of that miserable box and by the fault of epimetheus too in not preventing her these troubles have obtained a foothold among us and do not seem very likely to be driven away in a hurry for it was impossible as you will easily guess that the two children should keep the ugly swarm in their own little cottage on the contrary the first thing that they did was to fling open the doors and windows in hopes of getting rid of them and sure enough away flew the winged troubles all abroad and so pestered and tormented the small people everywhere about that none of them so much as smiled for many days afterwards and what was very singular all the flowers and dewy blossoms on earth none of which had hitherto faded now began to droop and shed their leaves after a day or two the children moreover who before seemed immortal in their childhood now grew older day by day and came soon to be youths and maidens and men and women by and by and aged people before they dreamed of such a thing meanwhile the naughty pandora and hardly less naughty epimetheus remained in their cottage both of them had been grievously stung and were in a good deal of pain which seemed the more intolerable to them because it was the very first pain that had ever been felt since the world began of course they were entirely unaccustomed to it and could have no idea what it meant besides all this they were in exceedingly bad humour 
both with themselves and with one another. In order to indulge it to the utmost, Epimetheus sat down sullenly in a corner with his back towards Pandora, while Pandora flung herself upon the floor and rested her head on the fatal and abominable box. She was crying bitterly and sobbing as if her heart would break. Suddenly there was a gentle little tap on the inside of the lid. "'What can that be?' cried Pandora, lifting her head. But either Epimetheus had not heard the tap, or was too much out of humour to notice it. At any rate he made no answer. "'You are very unkind,' said Pandora, sobbing anew, "'not to speak to me.' Again the tap. It sounded like the tiny knuckles of a fairy's hand, knocking lightly and playfully on the inside of the box. "'Who are you?' asked Pandora, with a little of her former curiosity. "'Who are you, inside of this naughty box?' A sweet little voice spoke from within. "'Only lift the lid, and you shall see.' "'No, no,' answered Pandora, again beginning to sob. "'I have had enough of lifting the lid. You are inside of the box, naughty creature, and there you shall stay. There are plenty of your ugly brothers and sisters already flying about the world.' You need never think that I shall be so foolish as to let you out." She looked towards Epimetheus as she spoke, perhaps expecting that he would command her for her wisdom, but the sullen boy only muttered that she was wise a little too late. "'Ah!' said the sweet little voice again. "'You had much better let me out. I am not like those naughty creatures that have stings in their tails. They are no brothers and sisters of mine, as you would see at once if you were only to get a glimpse of me. "'Come, come, my pretty Pandora. I am sure you will let me out.' And, indeed, there was a kind of cheerful witchery in the tone that made it almost impossible to refuse anything which this little voice asked. Pandora's heart had insensibly grown lighter at every word that came from within the box. Epimetheus, too, though still in the corner, had turned half round and seemed to be in rather better spirits than before. "'My dear Epimetheus,' cried Pandora, have you heard this little voice?" "'Yes, to be sure I have,' answered he, but in no very good humour as yet. "'And what of it?' "'Shall I lift the lid again?' asked Pandora. "'Just as you please,' said Epimetheus. "'You have done so much mischief already that perhaps you may as well do a little more. One other trouble in such a swarm as you have set adrift about the world can make no very great difference.' "'You might speak a little more kindly,' murmured Pandora, wiping her eyes. "'Ah, naughty boy!' cried the little voice within the box, in an arch and laughing tone. "'He knows he is longing to see me. Come, my dear Pandora, lift up the lid. I am in a great hurry to comfort you. Only let me have some fresh air, and you shall soon see that matters are not quite so dismal as you think them.' "'Epimetheus!' exclaimed Pandora. "'Come what may, I am resolved to open the box.' "'And as the lid seems very heavy,' cried Epimetheus, running across the room, "'I will help you.' So, with one consent, the two children again lifted the lid. Out flew a sunny and smiling little personage, and hovered about the room, throwing a light wherever she went. Have you never made the sunshine dance into dark corners by reflecting it from a bit of looking-glass? Well, so looked the winged cheerfulness of this fairy-like stranger amid the gloom of the cottage. She flew to Epimetheus, and laid the least touch of her finger on the inflamed spot where the trouble had stung him, and immediately the anguish of it was gone. Then she kissed Pandora on the forehead, and her hurt was cured likewise. 
After performing these good offices, the bright stranger fluttered sportively over the children's heads, and looked so sweetly at them that they both began to think it not so very much amiss to have opened the box, since otherwise their cheery guest must have been kept a prisoner among those naughty imps with stings in their tails. "'Pray, who are you, beautiful creature?' inquired Pandora. "'I am to be called Hope,' answered the sunshiny figure. "'And because I am such a cheery little body, I was packed into the box to make amends to the human race for the swarm of ugly troubles which was destined to be let loose among them. Never fear, we shall do pretty well in spite of them all.' "'Your wings are coloured like the rainbow!' exclaimed Pandora. "'How very beautiful!' "'Yes, they are like the rainbow,' said Hope. "'Because, glad as my nature is, I am partly made of tears, as well as smiles.' "'And will you stay with us?' asked Epimetheus, "'for ever and ever.' "'As long as you need me,' said Hope, with her pleasant smile. "'And that will be as long as you live in the world. I promise never to desert you.' There may come times and seasons, now and then, when you think that I have utterly vanished. But again and again and again, when perhaps you least dream of it, you shall see the glimmer of my wings on the ceiling of your cottage. Yes, my dear children, and I know something very good and beautiful that is to be given to you hereafter. Oh, tell us, they exclaimed, tell us what it is. Do not ask me, replied Hope, putting her fingers on her rosy mouth. But do not despair, even if it should never happen while you live on this earth. Trust in my promise, for it is true. We do trust you, cried Epimetheus and Pandora, both in one breath. And so they did, and not only they, but so has everybody trusted hope that has since been alive. And to tell you the truth, I cannot help being glad, though to be sure it was an uncommonly naughty thing for her to do, but I cannot help being glad that our foolish Pandora peeped into the box. No doubt, no doubt the troubles are still flying about the world and have increased in multitude rather than lessened, and are a very ugly set of imps, and carry most venomous stings in their tails, I have felt them already, and expect to feel them more as I grow older. But then, that lovely and lightsome little figure of hope! What in the world could we do without her? Hope spiritualizes the earth, hope makes it always new, and even in the earth's best and brightest aspect, hope shows it to be only the shadow of an infinite bliss hereafter. Primrose, asked Eustace, pinching her ear, how do you like my little Pandora? Don't you think her the exact picture of yourself? But you would not have hesitated half so long about opening the box. Then I should have been well punished for my naughtiness, retorted Primrose smartly, for the first thing to pop out after the lid was lifted would have been Mr. Eustace Bright in the shape of a trouble. Cousin Eustace, said Sweet Fern, did the box hold all the trouble that has ever come into the world? "'Every mite of it,' answered Eustace. "'This very snowstorm, which has spoiled my skating, was packed up there.' "'And how big was the box?' asked Sweet Fern. "'Why, perhaps three feet long,' said Eustace. Two feet wide, and two and a half feet high?' "'Ah!' said the child. "'You're making fun of me, Cousin Eustace. "'I know there is not trouble enough in the world to fill such a great box as that. "'As for the snowstorm, it is no trouble at all but a pleasure.' so it could not have been in the box. Hear the child, cried Primrose, with an air of superiority. How little he knows about the troubles of this world. Poor fellow! He will be wiser when he has seen as much of life as I have. So saying, she began to skip the rope. Meantime, 
the day was drawing to its close. Out of doors the scene certainly looked dreary. There was a grey drift far and wide through the gathering twilight. The earth was as pathless as the air, and the bank of snow over the steps of the porch proved that nobody had entered or gone out for a good many hours past. Had there been only one child at the window of Tanglewood gazing at this wintry prospect, it would perhaps have made him sad. But half a dozen children together, though they cannot quite turn the world into a paradise, may defy old winter and all his storms to put them out of spirits. Eustace Bright, moreover, on the spur of the moment, invented several new kinds of play, which kept them all in a roar of merriment till bedtime, and served for the next stormy day besides. End of chapter 3, part 2